0: today's reading is from luke chapter 18 verses 9 to 14 and you can find that on page 1052 in the blue church bibles if you've got it so the parable of the pharisee and the tax collector to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else jesus told this parable two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee And the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, or adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, Rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted.
1: Real privilege for me to be with you, so thanks for having me and my family. I'm here to tell you the greatest story that's ever been told. And um, I know what it's like living in a city, grew up in Cardiff, and you can get captured by other stories and other dreams, but nothing quite captures the, the heart and the soul and the mind like the greatest story ever told. So let's not bother chasing other dreams. Let's chase the best story, the most life-changing story in the history of the world. Now, I don't know you really. Some of you probably aren't Christians in a room this size, Some of you might be, but you'll be on the edge of church, captured by other stuff, so you don't really help out here. You're leaving it to other people. Some of you are stuck in sin, and that's blocking you from being truly in a state of worship this morning. Instead of singing and praising, you just feel out of it. That will be some of you. And some of you will love this story, and you just want to tell everybody in and wherever you live. I don't know where you are, but I know this. We all need to know the greatest story that's ever been told, wherever you are on the spectrum. And the subject of the story is really this question. Who does God love? Does he love me? Am I in or am I out? Who does he love? So the youngest to the oldest, you need to be clear on that. And this is the greatest story that's ever been told. And by the way, this church exists for one reason only. The answer to that question, who does he love? and to tell other people the answer to that question. So we need to know the answer to that question and be captured by the greatest story that's ever been told. I was in church the other week, and a man walked in, and he said, hello, I said, hello, he said, I would like to cook a curry for your church. And I said, what you would say? Okay. I said, why do you want to cook a curry for the church? And he said, Well, I'm not part of your religion. I'm part of another religion. But God loves us all. We're all God's children. So I want to make a curry because we're all God's children. And I said, What you would say? The weather's lovely, isn't it? And I'm seeing him again this week, so you can pray about that because that story's going to carry on. But it got me thinking Are we all God's children? What would you say to that? If your neighbor said, we're all God's children, what would you say? Does he love us all? Does he love you as much as he loves me? Does he love my Muslim friend who's going to make a curry for us in church? Who does he love? Does he love me? So I'm going to tell you a story, and then I'm going to talk about a story that Jesus tells, which is much better than the one that I'm going to tell you, then you can go home. By 12 o'clock, because there's something on. So there goes the third point of my sermon. No, it's not. I don't preach for long. In my story, it's about a police car. Problem is, I lost the book that this story's from, so I've had to make some of the details up. Two people were in a car. Not a police car, a normal car. For some reason, which I couldn't remember, and I couldn't find the book, there's a bomb in the boot, It's quite an important part of the detail to miss and forget, but we are where we are. They're driving down the road, for some reason, which I can't remember, the passenger knows that there's a bomb in the boot of his car. The driver doesn't believe that there is a bomb in the boot of his car. For some reason, can't remember why, the the police find out that there's a car. With a bomb in the boot. So what they do is they dispatch a police car from HQ to go and sort the problem out. So the car's driving down the road, and all of a sudden the blue flashing lights appear in the rear view mirror of the car with a bomb in the boot. And the driver who doesn't believe there's a bomb in the boot sees the flashing lights and finds them a great inconvenience. This is really annoying. I wish they just buzz off. But the passenger, who knows there's a bomb in the boot, sees the flashing lights of the car and does what? He goes, Yippee! I'm going to be rescued and saved. Can't remember how, but the police car pulls the other car over and The two policemen call to the car, both people in the car, and they say there's a bomb in the boot. Get out. We're here to rescue you and to save you. And only one of them gets out of the car. The police love them both, but they call, there's a danger, and one gets out. Now, as you're educated people from Pont which one's got out the car? The passenger. The police love them both, but a special bond begins between them and the one that responds to their call to be rescued. That's the end of my story. Okay? In the story that Jesus tells, we learn that there's a certain type of person in a certain type of loving relationship with God. God loves everybody. You're all God's children. But there's a certain type of person that just loves him and is loved by him in a different way to everybody else. We're all God's children. And it seems to be the people who understand that there's a rescue team or a rescuer sent from HQ to save them. As there's a bomb in their boot. They just begin to be in a different type of loving relationship to God. A life-changing relationship. Who does God love? Does he love me? Who's this church for? It's for people to meet the rescuer. And you all can. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story. And it's on page 1,052. And it's not behind me. So you better find the Bible. Jesus tells a story, and it's better than the police car one. Jesus wants everybody in Pomprenite Church to know God's saving love. To know it. So he tells a story in Luke chapter 18, 9 to 14. It's better than mine, because I'm not telling it. God is telling it. In verse 9, to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down, Jesus told a story. That's better than me telling a story, because this is God himself. And when God tells a story, you should all listen. Jesus, at this point, had been around probably about 30 years. He's called the friend of sinners. It's a good name, isn't it? He's the protective older brother that we all need in life. I've only got three older sisters. No protection in and High School for me. Jesus, the protective older brother to lead us through life's battles and bring us home. And here he is. And it's riveting because the people listening to when Jesus told the story are probably very similar to people listening to it now in 2023. And who is he speaking to? In verse 9, to some who are confident in their own righteousness and people who look down on everybody else. Jesus is speaking to people who don't believe they've got a bomb in their boot and that God loves them because they're wonderful. He loves me because I'm worth it. They don't realize they've got a killer disease called sin. Sin. They think they love them. God loves them because they're great. And they look down on the person in the purple seat next to them, and they think, I'm better than you. And Jesus wants to get a message through to them in his story, and the message is this. You are wrong about the way you think of yourselves. Saying we're all God's children is only half the story. Because lots of people don't know anything about God's saving love. They don't know the heart of the Father who loves to save people who are broken. And it's written down here in case there's anybody in this room that's like that as well, that they need to hear the true story. And this story was told about 2,000 years ago. And by the way, in 2023, hardly anybody knows anything about the Bible. Now then, if they were to uh, come from 2,000 years ago, to 2023, there are certain words in our language that they, at Jesus' time, wouldn't understand. Words like McFlurry, and um, Jedi, and WhatsApp, and one um, my children say now, bruh. We have to explain words to understand the story. And there are a couple of words, well, there's three, In this story, that if we don't understand what they are, you won't understand the story. So I'm going to explain them to you. Some of you will know them. Some of you won't. Hardly anybody knows them where I'm from just down the road in our community. The first word for you to truly grasp this amazing life story, the greatest one that's ever been told, is, well, to keep you awake, let's see how clever you are in this church. It begins with a P. Can you see a word that begins with a P that people might not know? You might see it in verse 11. The word is Pharisee. Pharisee. A Pharisee was an ordinary person that lived in the first century. And they believed something about themselves. They believed this. this. God gives us rules and we keep them. And so he loves us. And actually, we've made some of our own rules up as well. And we keep them and we're wonderful and you don't keep them and you're rubbish. So he loves me, but he doesn't love you. The second word in the story that people don't really understand, and in this version, I think it was two words. One begins with a T and one begins with a C. And I think it's in verse 13. Any of the teenagers going to call it out? See how we're getting on in Cardify education these days? What do you think it is? Tax collector. Well, I'll give you another one actually, then, seeing we're on a roll. There was an empire uh, that ran two thirds of the world at the time of Jesus telling this story. It began with an R. What empire was it? Should we do the whole sermon like this? Roman Empire. The Roman Empire ruled two-thirds of the world around the time Jesus was telling this story, and they ruled it with politics and education and armies and sometimes oppression. And what they had done, they had moved into the land that Jesus was telling this story on, and they said, now we're in charge of you. And by the way, since we're in charge of you, you now have to pay us the privilege of being in charge of you. So give us some taxes. And not only that, Sometimes the people they got to collect the taxes to give to the Romans were the very people that they were in charge over, the Jews. So Jews were sometimes tax collectors, collecting taxes from their own people to give to those nasty Romans. And by the way, not only that, sometimes the Jews who were collecting taxes were dodgy and they would take taxes from their own people and they would put it in their own pockets, some of it, before they handed it on to the Romans. So if a tax collector was in your school in 2023, he would be called Billy No Mates. Nobody likes them. And the third word to understand this story is in verse 14. And in this version of the Bible, I think it began with a J. Should we do it one more time or are you getting irritated by it? Let's do it one more time. It begins with a J. The word is justified. Justified. Nobody where I'm from knows what justified means. It's one of the best words in the world, but none of my neighbors know what it means, so we better help them understand it. And I'll tell you how I understand it. In the Bible, justified is like a, room that, a word that you would use in sort of a courtroom setting. Let me tell you a short story to explain how the Bible uses this word justified. Let's just say there's a dad, and he's got two little boys might be a true story, might be imaginary, not going to tell you. Let's just say these two boys are under 10 years old. And let's say they're at the age now when dad's driving in the car that they want to sit in the front next to dad, because no one wants to sit in the back seat, do they? Especially if you're a little boy under 10 years old. Problem is there's two of them, there's only one seat. So let's just say that these two boys, they come up with a little system to help them. And the system is this, if... You sit in the front on the way there, I'll sit in the front on the way back. Some of you are laughing because you've got the same system, haven't you? Yeah. Problem is, sin. So what happens is, one's at the front on the way there, and we get there. And what happens is, he has a sudden case of amnesia. (laughs) And he can't remember that he was the one that sat in the front on the way there. And he'll go, Dad, I'm really not sure that I did sit here on the way. And I'll say, when we drove to the post office, it was two minutes, two minutes ago. I think you can remember. And he'll go, Dad, I just don't know. And then the other one goes, get out of the front seat. And what happens then is, in this potential imaginary story, a fight breaks out. And what they do is, they bring it to Dad's courtroom. And Dad listens to all of the facts and all of the details of the story, and Dad is like a judge, and he hears, and then he hears the truth. And to the one telling the truth, Dad says, you are justified. You are right. You are blessed. You are going to be lavished with my peculiar and wonderful love and favor. And to the other one, he says, you are condemned. You are in the wrong. And in Jesus' story, someone is declared to be justified, in the right, entirely loved, specially loved, on his way to glory when he dies. A blessed recipient of all that God has showered upon him. But it's not who you might think it is, especially if you're a Pharisee. And last... In this story, you have two people standing before dad, whereas actually in this story, they stand before God, the father, and they pray two prayers. Here's the Pharisee's prayer in verse 11 and 12. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people robbers, evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And that's his prayer. It's actually a list of all the wonderful things he's ever done. Isn't he doing well? And then here's the prayer of the tax collector. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, be merciful." To me, a sinner, I've got a bomb in my boot. He doesn't even look up. He knows he can't earn God's special, saving love. He can't. In my house, there's a Labrador. She's the naughtiest dog that's ever lived. She's a thief. She steals My food. Sometimes I walk in the kitchen, and I know that she's stolen some food. Do you know why? She doesn't look up at me. I walk in, and she goes like this. And I say, Rita, she's done it again. And then we scan all the sites, and we find something that's gone missing. Last time it was raw chicken that we were going to have for lunch. The time before that, it was a batch of dark chocolate brownies, which nearly killed her. (laughs) And she went to the vet and had her stomach pumped. Both of my dogs have been in the vet for having broken the rules which lead to their destruction. She knows she's broken the law. The law, by the way, that I have given her because I love her. She's in my house, in my world, and there are boundaries that if she breaks, it leads to death, where they're not helpful vets just around the corner. She slips away into the crate. Do you know why I hate Disney movies? Well, they're all right, aren't they? They're a bit naff, but there's a part of it that I hate. Do you know what it is? All the answers to their problems is this. There's some character in it, and all they need to do, and they should have realized it at the start, is look within and just bring out the hero that was inside them. It was there all along, and that last irritating 15 minutes, that's what they do. Disney's answer to everything, look in and look up and just express the wonder of yourself to the world. You're that good, just as you are. I don't think anybody in Disney has ever met a real human being. There's loads of religions today. They're on Talk for the Day or whatever it's called on the radio. Thought for the Day. They're on the BBC, these religious leaders. They give their thoughts, and their thoughts are this. Be brave. Be wonderful. You are wonderful. Just as you are. Look up. Promote self. It's all in. Just get it out. And they say nothing at all of anything about our condition that should make us feel ashamed and look down like Evie the dog in my house. And Jesus isn't one of those leaders. Jesus wouldn't be on thought for the day. He wouldn't be invited on the BBC to lead some sort of service because the prayer that Jesus loves to hear, and he says that his Father loves to hear, and it's even more emphatic if you know Greek, it's this, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I'm asking for mercy, because I look within and it's pretty hopeless. And I need something personal and humble. Because my heart is cold and I'm miles away even in church this morning. What is the greatest story that's ever been told? Do you love me? Help! Albert Camus, the French author, wrote this. I don't believe there's a single person that I've loved that I didn't eventually betray. Even the people I love... I hurt. I took communion to someone in church the other day with my friend Phil. And we opened the door and the person said, I'm a sinner. And me and Phil said, us too. Let's have communion. Clever people tell me if Keir comes to power, he's going to make it illegal to call sin, sin. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep calling sin. Sin. And see where the chips fall. Do you know why I'm going to do that? Because that's the beginning of realizing the greatest story in the world. Because for this type of confession, the heads go down. But it leads to being exalted in the highest place. To admit our need. Do you know why it's wonderful? Because it means there's no one listening this morning or back then that is outside of God's saving love And we can all receive it now. And these prayers have two results. The broken man with his sense of need and sin and lostness goes home justified. You are in the right. You are a child of God. But you are specially loved. Church, family is yours. You're blessed. And if you crash your car or donkey on the way home, or suddenly drop dead this afternoon, you will know for sure you're in heaven forever, and it's nothing that you've done. It's because I love to save the lost. That is who the living God is, because he who humbles himself will be exalted and raised up with God. And that's the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. He tells it again and again and again and again in both Testaments in this wonderful book. So I'll sum it up. You're all God's children. You've all been made by him. But Jesus says, I have come to teach you and show you the love of my saving father, who you've been rejecting. You've got a bomb in your hearts, and it's ticking, and it's going to lead to judgment and separation from God and his love forever. But I don't want that, and he doesn't want that, and being good isn't going to diffuse the bomb. Bring it to me, says Jesus again and again and again. Tell me about your life, the good and the bad, and I'll help you, and I'll sort it. The Father has sent me to save the poor, the weak, the sinful, the needy, the deflated, the hopeless, the sad, the lost. All of them, to bring them back to Him. And if you feel shame this morning, no new boyfriend's going to sort that out. No new salary in work's going to sort it out. Those are fake, false dreams that the cities promote. Nothing, no drug or alcohol will take that shame away. But I can, says Jesus. I can, and if you were 100 times worse than you are, that's still no match for my Father's saving love and mercy. Are you in darkness? I'll shoulder that darkness for you. Are you afraid of death? I'll experience that death for you. Are you disconnected? I'll suffer that with you, because that is what love does. And that, ladies and gentlemen is the greatest story ever told. And all other good stories steal from that one. So let's give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and his Father's saving love. And may that spread around this, mess, this area through this church now and forevermore. Amen.